Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan. That's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F words. That's right, food and football. The third one is clearly fluffers. It is fluffers because if you have been checking my Twitter at any point this evening, Nate, you probably haven't. Mrs. Nolan has advised me that the Nolans will be growing in size by one effective tomorrow that's right my good wife coach. will be bringing home another dog love that good so for you. good 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 for the nolans more fluffers for bruce and mrs nolan bruce and i was Grace. unsure where you were going with fluffers so i appreciated that it turned out to be a dog yeah fluffer friends yeah yeah Again, no, I, gotta, I think you gotta be careful with that because fluffer friends could definitely be like a small village of adult people that dress up in you know like like onesie animal attire and do weird things. Those are so. furries, not fluffers. But fluffers are probably in the same group of family. We have already, we are literally one minute and 40 seconds into the show and we are already completely off the rails. Yeah, it, I mean, that's in record time. Record we are time. off the rails. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder that Nate, immediately behind him, you will see there are stacks of Genesee Brewery pint glasses because this show is brought to you by genesee brewery and because of that we need to have a chat any super chat that you provide to us that's ten dollars or more make sure you dm nate a screenshot showing the super chat and a screenshot showing that you follow genesee brewery on twitter and he will mail you that if you give him his address to make sure that you can join us as part of the genesee crowd since 1878 genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint can and bottle of their beer they make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience look for genesee beer genesee light cream ale and their specialty line with beers like ruby red kolsch and oktoberfest genesee brewery rochester new york and don't you know, forget bruce pineapple kolsch just came well, out i was i was about to say that i literally got taunted i got taunted because one of my followers sent me a dm and goes hey bruce have you had this yet and sent a picture of the pineapple kolsch and i said no no i haven't had this yet and i'm upset about it so we're gonna be scheduling a time for us to go get some so we're very excited about that i'm into that but before we even get into any of this yes the discussion <clears throat> this week is about foods that you attempt to hide from your significant other. Yes. Now, 
Thanks Nate, to Drew Gear for this topic, by the way. Thanks to new Drew, Drew Gear from the Rock Power Report for this. Now, can I just ask you to describe to our listeners why it is that we are having a discussion right now? Because, you know, you're a storyteller after all. Why don't you tell the story, Nate, <laughs> of why it is exactly that foods you are attempting uh, to hide from your significant uh, other Bruce. happens to be the topic du jour for our hors d'oeuvres this evening? I don't know what you mean, Bruce. Really? Okay, fine. No, fine. You know what? I'll do it. Recollection. I'll do Will it. You? I'll do it. Yeah, I thought I thought you might. I thought I'll you tell might. the story. So, for those who are not aware already, Nathaniel and I are part of a dynasty fantasy football league together, where assorted Buffalo Bills media members and content creators are part of this group. And if you will recall, Nate and I were actually in the championship game against each other earlier this year it was i wasn't pretty i was victorious which means i have now won the entire league in back-to-back years yeah yeah, yeah, well after the nfl draft is over the next step is that the rookie draft is the next step for dynasty leagues and in our league it's a rookie draft but it includes any any currently unsigned player so rookies are there and any free agent who's currently not on a team is there so I had the last pick in the first round because, of course, I won the league. Because That's how it won. works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Nate had the first pick of the second round due to a trade that he had made previously. And when I was on the clock with the 12th pick in the draft, Nate texts me and says, you're not going to take Ritter here, are you? Desmond Ritter, meaning that. And I said, well, I mean, I was, I was, I was thinking about it. Yeah, I was thinking about taking Ritter. He goes, oh, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I'll quit the pod if, <laughs> if you take Ritter. He says, I'll quit the pod if you take Ritter. He went straight for the absolute end. There was no right build to the up jugular. at all. Just right I, to the will, I will quit the pod yeah. if you take Desmond Ritter. Yeah. And I said, well, that first off, that seems extreme. But, it was a um, bit extreme. We were having a discussion back and forth. And we, 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 I said, well, we, I mean, if you really want Ritter that bad, you want to trade up one spot, you could have him. Right. And he was like, no, no, no. And I went through this whole thing trying to figure out how Nate and I could both get what we want, because I really wanted to make sure that I could reinforce some depth and some skill positions, but I didn't want to trade out of of potential quarterback. So I said, okay. And I spent all this time concocting trade offers and seeing what would work for both of us, because that's that's the Bruce experience. Bruce, that's that is the Bruce experience, just gentlemanliness to the to, to the bitter end. And that's that's the key. The key to dynasty fantasy football is to never try to screw over somebody because then they won't do business with you anymore. No, that's right? not true. They won't do business with you. There are certain players that I've dealt with in the past, right? Not in our league because we're all gentlemen in our league, but in other leagues where I will reject automatically any trade offer they sent me 100% of the time because I wow. already know that they're trying to screw me over. Bad I faith. I, it's bad faith. So... I'm sitting here trying to find a way where both of us can win, right? He can get Ritter, but I got to get something too. So I'm like, okay, I'll trade down one spot. Um, trade me like Noah Fant because I need a younger tight end maybe because of my roster. Well, now he goes, no, no, you know, I think I'm going to hold. I said, okay, are you sure? He goes, yeah. I said, okay, uh, well, and then I sent him the last text. This was, say, this was my problem as I, 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 I said too much. I said too much. I said what, what ended up happening is Bruce decided – to send me one more text. Hey, are you sure you don't want to move up? Come get your guy. 
And I said, you know what? I think I'm just going to stay here and take Watson. Like, kind of like, ah, I'll just settle and take Watson. And then I responded with, well, if I decide to take Watson, is that going to screw you over? I was literally trying to not harm Nate. And I said, if I take Watson, is that going to screw you over? He goes, no, no, that'll be okay, right? And I said, okay, cool. So I ended up taking Christian Watson. And then the next text from Nate is, do I take Dotson or Mechie here? (laughs) And I respond in all caps to Nate. You're not going to take Ritter, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. And he goes, he goes, no, no, I'm not. I was trying to bluff you out of Christian Watson. It didn't I work. spent an hour work. and a half concocting all sorts of work. trades known to man to try to make sure that both of us could win and mm. get what we wanted. And it turns out Nate was lying the mm. whole darn not time. Lying. I was posturing way different. I was trying to push my agenda way different, Bruce. Lies. Way different. Just smells like lies and deceits. So because of that, the food topic for this evening is food (laughs) that you attempt to hide from your significant other. The way that Nate attempted to hide his intentions from his podcast partner and alleged friend, Bruce Nolan. Now, I will start with this. And I'm going to start by saying I don't hide food from my significant other. Because I'm a good person, and that's not what good people do. Hence, hence, we have Nate Geary here. But if I were to attempt to hide a piece of food from Mrs. Nolan, it would be the spicy hummus. And the reason is Mrs. (laughs) Nolan can absolutely 100% demolish a tub of spicy hummus. Spicy hummus? Yeah, you give her some (laughs) carrots and some spicy hummus, and she'll just go to town on the spicy hummus and carrots, man. Right, you know, we have a guest in in the green room right now who will understand the love of hummus. He will get it. He will appreciate the way that you don't. Maybe he appreciates. No, I like hummus. You don't either. I, I don't know. I I don't think I'm I'm not hiding it. I think you're taking this the wrong way, Bruce. The reason you're hiding this is for your own self gain, not. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I want, I want some of the spicy you hummus. Want, you the want answer. the spicy hummus? I guess the answer right. is I want some of the spicy hummus, and if I leave it un- unguarded, it'll all be gone. I so do you hummus. do you get into arguments with your wife about this at all? Like, no, do you never. you do, not not about the spicy hummus, but just about food things? Is there no. food that you do what she does with the spicy hummus? Because this is kind no. of I'm taking the opposite approach. I look at this as not what my girlfriend eats too much of, so I have to make sure I save some for myself. It is if I buy something and she knows it's there she does this thing where she gets upset when i eat all of it even though she doesn't actually intend or she's not actually going to eat it right like when i demolish a whole box of oreos oreos is the food that i like to hide because if she knows i bought oreos what she's going to do is almost sabotage me by leaving it not taking any cookies for like four days and here's me trying to be a good person keep a couple of oreos keep one sleeve specifically for her five days rolls around six days rolls around i open it up still no cookies have been eaten and you know what i do i bomb that row and she'll do one of these things where she knows i ate the whole box of cookies and she'll open it up she's like where are the oreos i was just about to have an oreo 17 days after i bought them at the store and i'm like no you weren't you're just trying to set me up so that you can be mad at me for eating a whole box of oreos it's the same thing with ice cream i a half gallon of ice cream is three bowls of ice cream right do you get do you get more do you get more big are your bowls 
They're big. I my I get three bowls of ice cream out of a half gallon, which means I get two and she gets one. She's smaller than me. That 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 makes sense. Okay. I she's, got, she's got AirPods in. She, she's doing some baking in the other room. That's why I'm able to have this conversation tonight. So I'm really glad we're talking about foods we hide when she has got, uh, you know, sound, soundproof or uh, sound. What do they call those? Uh, noise canceling. Noise canceling headphones. She does noise canceling headphones on baking. So I don't have to worry about this coming back to haunt me. You know, this was a difficult topic for me because I don't hide things from people. This is a very difficult concept because, see, I don't, I don't have that thing in me that causes me to try and deceive people like you do, Nate. See, I don't know <laughs> anything. I don't have the heart for this the way that you do. So I guess, really, I should have just deferred the entire segment to you because you're the only person who would know about deception. Have you ever seen the true. movie The Invention of Lying, Nate? I've never seen it. I, like I said, I am not – I don't lie. I posture. Oh, Very your different. posture. I yes. posture. Yes, you force your way out of lying is what you do. I'm pushing my agenda, Bruce. That's it. Yes. That's how I'm many just, synonyms just can we come up with for the name lying before eventually it's just lying? But moving on, the Bills have a draft class, Nate. They do. And it's 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 a whole thing and everything. It's actually a little bit bigger than some people thought it was going to end up being. Agreed. A lot of the discussion coming into the draft was, man, how many how many draft hits can you really roster? And the Bills ended up drafting a, a, a decent amount of people. But here's what I got to know. If the Bills draft class was a food, what kind of food would it be? My first? You are first this time. Okay, so I have to go with a category, sort of, uh, and not just a specific food. But what I'm going with with this Bills draft class is some kind of dessert that is salted caramel base, uh, based dessert. The reason why, Bruce is salted caramel or things that like as a caramel based dessert with big chunks of that flaky finishing salt. The thing that the reason it makes it so great is how balanced it is. It's the perfect mixture of savory and sweet. You get the savoriness and you get that balancing of the salt with the sweetness and the richness of the caramel. And together it creates what I think is a more elevated version of caramel. So for the bills, this draft class, the reason it's I, I, the reason I'm comparing it to a salted caramel dessert is because this draft class kind of had a little bit of everything, right? It had a little bit of the savory. It had a little bit of the sweet. You, 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 you drafted a guy in the first round in Kyer Elam that fills a hole, but also is probably their best player available. Uh, Brandon Bean said he was the last first round grade he had. So it's his last solid choice of the first round. They trade up a couple of picks to get them. Later on, they take care of the running back position, which is one, right? And we're talking about balance, right? There's another balance synonym. So um, for me, I just like the overall that you got the feel of, you got a little bit of everything. You got a little need, you got a little luxury, you got everything you need from that NFL draft. That's a good metaphor. I like that good Thank metaphor. You. Thank you. My metaphor for the Buffalo Bills draft class, if it was a food, is it's fried ice cream. And I'll tell you why it's fried ice cream. At the very beginning of fried ice cream, the thing that makes fried ice cream fried ice cream is the outer shell, right? That's the very beginning of your experience with fried ice cream is necessary. It is 100% necessary. Otherwise, it's just ice cream, right? It's just ice cream. But in order for it to be fried ice cream, the outer shell needs to be intact and it needs to be good. So the very beginning of the consumption of fried ice cream is ultimately necessary. It's good, it's solid, but more important than any of those adjectives, it is necessary. 
much like the Buffalo Bills picking a cornerback in the first round. In the middle of the meal, you can get really good bites that combine the best of the outer part of the fried ice cream with that cool, cool, delightful, sweet inner part of the fried ice cream. And that is really important. But at the very, very end, it's just slurpy. At the very end, it's melted slurpiness. And you're like, I mean, okay, it still tastes like ice cream, but it is neither the texture nor the temperature nor the consistency at this point that I would like my ice cream to be. So the very beginning of it's necessary. The middle of it has balance and certain bites are good and certain bites are better than others, but you always get that nice little balance in the middle. And at the very end of the fried ice cream, it's just slurpy soup. So that so let me, is it. Let me just get this straight. We started the show, we're 16, 16 minutes into the show, and you have dropped spicy hummus and fried ice cream as your two references, Bruce. Oh, I, I dug deep for this one. This is a special show for me, Nate. Uh, yeah, yeah, special is definitely the right word. I agree. Special. You know what? Andy Anderson in the comments section really likes it. Bruce, this is better than anything I could have thought of. Cam Greasy says, well done, Bruce. You know what? Once again, Nate out here just telling bold-faced lies. Carl in the comments section says he's going with garlic parm wings. I spend the whole meal trying to figure out whether or not I love it or hate it, but in the end, it's gone. I eat it all. They're like, mm, 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 oh, do I like this? Mm, mm. Yeah, that what, is a weird thing about garlic on. parm wings. I don't ever really seek to eat garlic parm wings, but when I do, I'm like, you know, why don't I order garlic parm wings more? But then I never actually do that. So I'm a big garlic parm guy. I do like garlic parm wings. There are certain moments I prefer them to more traditional buffalo. So I'm hot. No, I, I yeah, well, medium. that's. That's that's just absurd. Let's let's go to the next thing because that 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 really almost ruined a good start to the show. Wow. Okay. So the food simile for this evening is that the current yes. Bills roster as it exists right now makes me feel like mm. and I'm going to go first. Sure, send it. It makes me feel like I had a party that goes on tomorrow and I had it catered. And I'll tell you why. You spend a lot of time leading up to your party, making sure that the food orders that you put in are correct. You made sure that you had the appropriate amount of quantity. You made the assurance that you had to make sure that everything was correctly balanced. You made sure that there was a vegetarian option, probably, in the event that you had vegetarians amongst you. And you're very excited. And all of it looks really good, but it's still on paper. You still need to show up and actually do it. You need mm -hmm. to show up. The caterers need to show up. They need to actually execute. But on paper, you've spent a long time balancing it out so it looks really good. In fact, you might not be able to find any serious flaws in it until Lily, little Sally sneezes on the sandwiches in the middle of the show. Then all of a sudden, after Sally sneezes on the sandwiches, try and say that five times fast, Sally sneezes on the sandwiches, then you got to pivot. Then you got to execute. Then you'll really be put to the test. But on paper, it looks really good. On paper, it looks like something that, you know what? I think this could be a really, really good party. I think the menu looks fantastic. And all that's great, but it's still just abstract. It's still got to be executed on. Nate, the current makeup of the Bills roster makes you feel like what? Makes me feel like I am uh, in the other room while my girlfriend is making like apple pie or something. She's baking something delicious and there's something amazing going on inside of that oven, but I'm not quite there yet. It's not cooked enough. It's not that perfect golden brown with the 
deliciously caramelized sugar and all the delicious cooked apples with the caramel and the cinnamon sugar, right? All of those great things are, are baking together inside that oven. And in a, in a little while after it's done cooking, you take it out, you let it cool, you cut into it and you start to enjoy it. I'm looking forward to that. Like I'm looking forward to the season with the current state of this Bills team. I look at this defense, Bruce, and I see a defense really just devoid of serious holes. I, I, I said this earlier this week when I was filling in in the morning show. To me, Bruce, it feels like this defense might end up being better than the number one ranked defense than they were last year. It may They may end up not being the number one defense. And just in terms of stats, they're going to play far better quarterbacks this upcoming season in the schedule. But there's a good chance they finish fourth, fifth, seventh, and they end up being a far better unit defensively going into the playoffs, which is to me the time that this defense really needs to hit its stride. And I just think that last year they did not play enough quality quarterbacks that when they got to that big game against Patrick Mahomes and that offense, they just weren't prepared, in my opinion, to, to face a team of that caliber because they really hadn't done it all season. Um, and, and obviously the Kansas City Chiefs weren't um, – weren't the same team they were in the playoffs as they were in that regular season week five game. So uh, to me, it's a lot like the suspense of waiting around for that delicious apple pie to get finished. Scott, thank you so much for the super chat says it makes me feel like I'm going to my favorite restaurant. I'm excited with anticipation and it should be delicious. You just have to hope the cooks and servers came to play. Yes, because they still got to execute. You did your part. You selected it. You showed up. You have anticipation. And they need to execute. You know what we need to execute on? We need to execute on bringing in the guest for this we evening. We do. Because I am exactly before, 13 seconds behind. Go ahead. But before you do that, Scott, make sure you follow me on Twitter. Shoot me a DM and send me your uh, your mailing information. Uh, you you did this at a good time. All of April's orders are going to be sent out uh, before I uh, before I leave for out of town this week. So you should have uh, you should have all of your glasses out this week for those that are still waiting. I'll send them out each month in batches. So we got the next batch coming out this week. Awesome, awesome. And you know what else we got coming up this week? Well, today, Aaron right Quinn now. from Cover One. That's right. right. Coming up this week, as in like in like sixteen seconds. right now, right now, like literally, right literally now. right now. Yeah, we're right bringing now. him on. Aaron Quinn right. from this Cover moment. One is yeah, literally right going to come on. I'm going to click this button right, right now. On I did. I did. I did. Click. There, it is. there he is. Right He's the there. He right literally the showed up just I'm like on that. Screens. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Aaron Quinn, cover one. You can find him on Twitter at Aaron Quinn 716. What's going on, dude? What is happening? Or in Nate's mentions, dropping in Nate all the time, yeah. telling him he's a dummy for not marrying that beautiful woman of his. She is a beautiful woman. Yeah. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Again, she can't hear me, so it's fine. Yeah. I was going to say, when you were going on that rant, when I first came in, I was waiting in the green room and you're like talking about her. And I'm just like, this guy, if she, if she happens to stumble in, I'm glad <laughs> she has her headphones on. You're an idiot. What are you doing? You're going to get busted. <laughs> Could tell you're not a married man. Yeah, you you can, can't you? You can, can't you? <laughs> okay, Aaron, I gotta ask you. You yeah. want in on this food simile? Do you want in on this the current well, makeup of the Bills roster thing? Honestly, honestly, sure. I thought about it all day because you guys approached me that this was a something that you hadn't been thinking about, and I was had been thinking about this all day. And Scott actually stole mine, and it was mine was more in line with like birthday dinner every year for my birthday. Mm. Wife asks anything you want, restaurant. I'll make you something, whatever you want. I think about it leading into the week and I get so excited like what are the things I want how do I want this meal to be constructed and that's what to me this roster has become right you got that edge and Von Miller that's going to disrupt things like we haven't seen here in Buffalo in years you got Josh Allen one of the best quarterbacks in the league you address exactly what you want Bruce 
every single year with an athletic Tracy cube or a cornerback, you like finally have all the pieces in place for a perfect night out for a perfect dinner, exactly how you would want it to be served up to you. And, and to Bruce, your point to Scott's thing, now it's up to the chef. Now it's up to the waiter. How is this experience going to be when I sit down for this thing that I'm super excited about? But this roster to me is like that birthday dinner. I'm just so excited to sit down and get into a favorite dish of mine and watch it go all the way to the end, which hopefully is a Super Bowl with the cherry on top at the end of uh, my ice cream sundae. Yes, that would be ideal. I would definitely like to see that. Now, yeah. I want to ask you, since you know, I know that you know Scott sort of you know mess with yours, but stole did your you, thunder. Did you have thunder. any opportunity yeah. to think about foods that you would attempt to hide from your significant other? Uh, so I also, I think I took it more in the way you took it, Bruce, because my thing was jerky. If beef jerky enters my house, it's not even just my wife. It's my wife and kids. They are like wild <laughs> animals. Uh, my father-in-law makes it, sends it up all the time in boxes of beef jerky. You'd think that there'd be just like plenty of jerky around my house for weeks. And that's not the case at all. Like if I don't like take a little bag and put it off to the side somewhere, I don't get it. And I don't even love the jerky that much. Like I just want a piece or two in the house but these monsters just rip it through it and tear it apart i don't get any of it so if there was one thing it's that other than that we're her and i have a pretty cool relationship when it comes to food we just both like to consume i do agree i don't know about spicy hummus per se bruce but the little the the problem with hummus a lot of the time if you don't make your own is that they come in those small little thin uh tubs which i could you know on the right day you catch me on the right day you know, an edible or two, like I could pound through one of those <laughs> in no time. Right. Like they got to make bigger jars and then you don't have to hide it. That's the solution. The solution just to all jars. these issues is just to make yeah. larger quantities. Or get it at food. Costco, right? Like, Which everything is a larger quantity at Costco. Yeah. yeah. That's Huge what you Costco need to do. Diet. Instead of hiding spicy hummus. Did I kidding. hear Buffalo's getting a Costco? Right over here on the boulevard, man. Up, up yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Good. So I don't think we need it. We have we have the best. We have the best. Anywhere you go, you go other places, and you say people like I've got buddies that you know live out of state, but they've got friends from Buffalo outside of just me, so they know about right. Wegmans. And every time I'm there, they're always like, "Oh, that's right, Buffalo's got Wegmans." Luckily, it's the it's the best supermarket in the country. I think it really is. Sorry, Bruce, you don't have that. No, no, no. But I do have I've a never shop at Wegmans. And what? that is, you never shop at Wegmans. Way, 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 way. I, I mean, hold I, on. I, 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 I'm, putting, I'm putting aside my story for a second. You don't shop at Wegmans? No, never. I never enter that place, man. It's a money pit. They will get you to spend. So more where do you shop? All the baby tops. Okay, all these. Oh, Aldi, I love all these. All these words. So can, a little, can I tell you? a little bit of Trader Joe's sprinkled in. Okay, so can I can I tell you? So we just did our Trader Joe's trip. We usually do once a month Trader Joe's stock up on like. The, the random stuff, stuff. cookie yeah. butter. Yep. Um, you know, like the they, spicy honey frozen, that they've got their there. Frozen foods good. Yes, we get tons of frozen food. So that's a, that's a once a month thing. We go there, spend 150 bucks, load up. We're good to go for a month on that stuff, and that stuff feeds us for a while. But what we do every week is we drive down in the city to the Aldi that's off Delaware, yeah. um, across from the Target Plaza. Not super. Go dark, there first, know. right? Go there first. We we get all the things we can get at Aldi that we like at Aldi. Yep. We finish up our shopping at Wegmans and That's get fair. things you're only going to get fair. at Wegmans. I can't be trusted in a Wegmans. Like So Wegmans specifically is designed. They've spent millions of dollars to specifically get you to throw to you stuff in particular. In your, to me, yeah. to yeah. idiots like me with the end caps and the, oh, yeah. like the Wegmans packs and stuff. And I go in there and I go nuts and I'm like a good 75 to a hundred dollars over budget. 
every time I step in that place. <laughs> Everything to the music they play. Like I actually went through a tour into a Wegmans to see like how they design stores and they think of every single way to get your money out of your pocket. And so I can't do it. I can't do it. All the is actually the opposite. They try to find ways to save you the money. So I try to go as much as I can there. But like you said, Nate, you can't get everything there. So I do defer to Wegmans. Like if there's a particular thing for a recipe, I can't find, but I got to hear Bruce's Wegmans story now. Yeah, let's hear it. It's a Costco story. Actually, when I was younger, when I was younger, I was unbelievably poor to the level where I, I, I could not afford to actually buy anything at Costco because everything there was in quantities that were going to be too expensive mm. for me. So I did have a Costco membership though. And I had a Costco membership specifically for the food that they sell at the beginning of Costco. When you get a big old slice of pizza for a dollar 50, or you get a big old hot dog for a buck 25 and 49 cent sodas and things like that. So I would go to Costco just to eat because of the quantity of food you could get for the for the money because the assumption that they make at Costco is you're going to go there you're going to eat and then you're going to shop or you're going to shop and you're going to eat well i just i just ate i didn't ever actually shop i just went in costco was like a restaurant for me it was a membership that i got for 50 bucks a year and i would go in and then i would eat and then leave this is so ridiculously bruce because it seems I, like I, more work just unapologetically bruce because you could probably still get a cheap meal without the membership somewhere, right? Not or that cheap. Not have you seen less. their gigantic slices of pizza for like a buck fifty? Honestly, have, have I you will, gone to Seven Eleven? I've never been to a Costco. I've been to like BJ's and Sam's. Yeah, right. Club. They're the same. Go ahead. Oh, okay. They're the same. Oh, it's the same. They actually they take massive losses on the food specifically yeah. because they're expecting you to make Continue make up a shopping. ton of money everywhere right. else. At one point, there's a wonderful story. You were in like an annoying anomaly to the system to some yes, account. Right. And that's like, who's this guy that's only spending <laughs> this guy's $40 a rest year? Of Americans. <laughs> He's not even spending his memberships in quantity. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway. It was buy, buy the bulk toilet paper. Yeah, no, something. didn't like, buy the bulk toilet paper out. because I, I could never afford to buy no, enough the of the bulk toilet paper. I would buy them yeah. in small packs as I possibly could because I, I didn't have the one money ply, to be ply, No less. Efficient. One ply. One yeah. ply. Single ply. So. Aaron, I got to ask you. Yeah, so one of the things that you mentioned on social media today that got my, my blood boiling in a good way is that you said openly, it's okay for you to not be a huge fan of all of your team's draft picks, right? And I have been pounding the table for some semblance of intellectual honesty for what feels like years when it comes to the NFL draft and how if you had an opinion on the player beforehand, Oh, mm-hmm. man, I really think they'd be a good fit in X, Y, Z, but not A, B, C. And then your team drafts them and your team is A, B, and C. What are you supposed to do? Just change your mind overnight? Right. You're supposed to decide that you feel completely different about a player? What I want you to do is first share with us, if you will, the prospects that you're not 100% excited about because that doesn't mean you hate them. That right. doesn't mean you're mad, right? right? And give me a little bit of why. Yeah, and so, that yeah, it was more that kind of conversation is that you don't have to be high on all of them, right? Like you can be kind of just like, Hey, we'll see. Like that's yeah. okay to just kind of wait it out. Cause you're not sure of the prospect. And for me, it really comes to uh, James cook and uh, Bernard, the second and third round picks there really kind of messed me up. And I was a little bit here last year with the double dip at defensive end and being unsure. And I didn't love that pick at the time, even after the draft, like I eventually sort of bought into it and said, Hey, you know what? They got a plan. I'm just going to trust that plan. 
and I'll get there with these picks as well, but I don't have to be high on it just because the highlights are there. And, um, you know, with Cook especially, I actually like this is the type of thing that I've wanted in this offense a lot. If you've listened to our show, you hear me pounding the table for James White. I wanted a Kenyon Drake shade. I've wanted a guy that could be a pass-catching, speedy back out of the backfield for years to give this offense what I think it's needed is that versatility, that sort of extra wrinkle to that what they can do out of the backfield. So James Cook checks a lot of those boxes. So I'm happy in that they got a guy that fits something that I want. I, I would probably say in the same way for you, Bruce, Elam being that cornerback that checks a lot of the boxes of things you've been pounding the table for, for years, but maybe not the cornerback that you wanted to check those boxes. And that's where cook is for me, where there was a couple backs that I liked maybe a little bit better with maybe a little bit better production in my opinion in college. And so that pick, I don't know that I love it all that much. And then Bernard, that was tough for me because some of those backs that I liked were kind of sitting around this pick. And this kind of came out of nowhere because I thought if they were going linebacker in this draft, it was going to be to replace Edmonds and that they were going to try to move on from Edmonds. And that doesn't seem to be the case with a pick like this. This just seems to be more special teams sort of filling in that depth, kind of bringing in another Milano type, uh, maybe somebody else to cover tight ends over time, something like that. It seems more of like a developmental project in the third round to me than it was that, hey, we could get a contributor that's going to have some meaningful snaps this year. So the values of those picks seemed a little weird to me. I'm willing to wait it out, but I'm not down on either one of them at all. I think that there's definitely some things to be excited about, but I'm not as high as a lot of people in my mentions are saying I should be if I say anything negative about the, them as prospects, like that I'm a little bit maybe worried about James Cook's vision. I don't see any kind of wiggle to his hips. Like he can make guys miss, but it's more with speed than with elusiveness. Those types of things concern me with a back that's supposed to be a speed back and get you that yak. If I say those things, people think I hate the prospect and that's not true. And that's all I was trying to get out in that tweet. Now, let me ask you, does the expenditure matter to you at all like when you say okay I, I want this i want a speedy pass catching back do you want them in the second round like are you cool with the the expenditure for a back of yeah. that type or were you thinking goodness gracious if you want to get jd mckessick you, you you could have done that in the fourth round yeah it's i'm probably not as much as you i think you and i have had these conversations in the past of where we value what the assets and how they're allocated and that what how we weigh those assets and i don't know that i weigh them as much but for me in this particular draft, honestly, I'll, I'll come right out and say it. No one ever shot White was taking a couple picks after Bernard. Mm. That was a guy that I was targeting for a fit in this offense and maybe could do a little bit more, in my opinion, than Cook has shown his, his ability to do. So that's really what's been my hang up is I do think if you just waited around, you could have got it back pretty similar um, in talent, in my opinion, and maybe a little bit more versatile. And so just knowing that, that sort of in hindsight, that that taste is in my mouth, I'm going to sort of value that cook pick against the guy that was there, whether that's fair to cook or not, that my mind was made up in that draft, that this was a guy I like and that I could target there. And cook wasn't on, in that range for me. And so uh, with that, uh, it, it just makes it harder for me to totally accept that pick and not think of another player and follow that other player to see if they do have the type of career that I suspect they will. I want to throw this theory that I have about the Bernard pick and, and see if maybe I, I'm not going to attempt to change your mind. Cause it doesn't sound if like it's about, if you're to trying to changed. say he's replacing Sarah Neal, I'm going to flip my table and walk out. No, no, very, guy. Very, okay. very different. Uh, okay. What I think they're doing, Aaron is creating versatility at that, mm -hmm. at that position, which is that big nickel, because now when you're facing a team like 
the Baltimore Ravens where they're going to line up in 13 personnel. I mean, it seems like anyways, right? They're going to throw three tight ends out there. And in that situation where you're going to face a team that you know, Cleveland's another team for me in this, right? Maybe not as much with Deshaun Watson. They've they've appeared to to join the rest of the league in the 21st century with how teams have, have to have to win by throwing the football to do it with having that running game be a compliment. And I think when I think about the Ravens or I think about the Colts, teams that I think are really going to want to run the football, but mm-hmm. specifically the Ravens, I'm going to keep focusing on this pick, this pick, not necessarily to beat the Ravens because sure. – they, you don't. Need I think to they're a tier below, but still, you're gonna. You might have to beat them. Sure. Exactly. Right. So instead of having a smaller guy that can run with tight ends, now you've got a little bit of a beefier guy that can run with tight ends, but can be a primary run defender. Where Sarah Neal can be a guy that you love his versatility. I think what they're doing is sort of closing the loop at big nickel and giving themselves more than one style of player at that position because both of them are going to be special teams aces. And they're only going to likely be complimentary players. And maybe one game plan, maybe one week, Sierra Neal is inactive. He'll probably never be inactive. He's one of the best gunners in the league. But you know what I mean? Like, they're going to be able to mix and match that position. And on top of that, I loved hearing what Brandon Bean kind of said about it, which is like talking about AJ Klein's replacement. And I loved when, when they really started deploying AJ Klein the right way, Aaron, which is basically let him be the spy on the running back, let him be a quarterback spy. And if he can rush the passer. And that's what you saw him do at Baylor, sort of be right. that late blitzer, a guy that's covering the running back. It's max protect. I'm going in. He's got that that off-ball uh, pass rushing ability, but I also think he provides flexibility at their big nickel position. This is all a tough conversation for me because I hate anything that takes Taron Johnson off the football field. I think he's one of your better players. Oh, I, the communication between him and the linebackers, him and the safeties, I think is – maybe unmatched in the league it's we're talking what four or five years everybody playing together in that defensive backfield now so i don't love these conversations greg and i get into it all the time because he's come up with the thick dime uh package and he loves the big nickel the buffalo nickel and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i just i get a little bit hesitant to pull johnson off the field i know that there's going to be some teams that sort of force you into that i think baltimore is probably a team that's going to maybe force your hand to force you to put a bigger guy out on the field indy could be the same way i still don't know that a rookie that is that undersized comes in and takes a lot of snaps. Not in year one. I could see that this mm-hmm. being a thing like in year two, it starts to develop. I can see that type of thing. The other thing I was thinking with a pick like this is maybe the future of this linebacker position is a little more positionless than it has yeah. been in the past where we have like a real true Mike, like can Milano do some things at Mike? And then you bring in a guy like a Bernard and maybe have a sort of the way the uh, safeties are where they're a little bit more interchangeable sure. than they've been. So maybe that was something sort of at the draft process was like, Hey, maybe are these linebacker positions in the future going to be a little more interchangeable where they're not stuck with a type uh, and that they can have two smaller guys out there, especially with this bigger defensive line. I think that also has a lot to do with the type of guys that they're willing comfortable to have back there. Uh, knowing that this defensive line should keep those linebackers a little bit cleaner this year and maybe even help keep uh, Johnson a little bit cleaner, which allow him to stay on the field and stay in nickel a little bit more if you can get the defensive line to take on some of those blocks. I have heard in the past the names Shaq Thompson start to be floated around a little bit when it comes to the Bernard pick. And like you, it it makes me wonder a little bit because are you really going to take – you're going to take – 
uh, Darren Johnson off the field for that. But then I you start it, to right. use the word positionless and my brain starts going around again and it starts doing the thing and going, okay, yeah. And then we previously had Eric and I talked about this uh, not too long ago. We previously had Lorenzo Alexander say something that kind of flew under the radar a little bit, but he flat out said there's not a lot of difference between the roles with uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. And I yeah. was like, oh, I, I, I didn't know that really at the time. This was two years ago. It was in 2020 right. when he said it. And I was like, okay, well, we don't know how the defense has changed or evolved at all since then. But then all these things start percolating in my head. And I go, okay, maybe am I talking myself into this? Or is there actually a rationale that I just, I just can't see? And it's, it's, it's very strange. Let me ask you specifically about Khalil Shakir. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Khalil. I was a massive Khalil Shakir guy yeah, ahead of the draft. Uh, I actually said on Twitter not too long before the draft, I said, you know, I, I was having trouble. I was having a bad day. And I just went to Khalil Shakir film and it made me happier. Like that was my yeah. goal. I, I want to be happier. So I watched Khalil Shakir, Khalil Shakir play football. After the draft, I come to realize that pretty much everybody else in the world is a Khalil Shakir fan too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the national media is all over this. Yeah. And everyone's like, man, it's steal of the draft. Khalil Shakir for the Buffalo Bills in the fifth round. First off, how do you feel about it in general? Mm-hmm. And secondly, do you think there is something to be taken from the fact that the Buffalo Bills, you use the word positionless when it comes to linebackers. I'm going to flip it and talk positionless when it comes to skill position players on the offense. Okay. Because you took a running back who you split out wide frequently and is probably right. better as a receiver than he is as a pure runner. Right. And you took a receiver who took 70 plus handoffs in college and does some of the hybrid stuff that you see. And those two picks might be completely unrelated, but in my head, I'm thinking about how the NFL is kind of moving toward a little bit more positionless football when it comes to skill positions. And I think to myself, am I, am I on something here? Have I been taking some of the edibles that you mentioned earlier (laughs) with the spicy hummus or am I on to something here? Well, I don't know that you're, I think you might be on to something in a sense. One, I think how good this Bills roster is has given them so much flexibility in being able to add more pieces that are wrinkles, pieces that will give them a little bit of flexibility, like we're saying, that they can do that with. Teams that don't have a Stephon Diggs as a number one wide receiver, don't have a Dawson Knox as a number one tight end, aren't able to make draft picks in the second round that aren't going to be... like If you don't have a roster like this, you have to take a back that's a full back, not a complementary piece to an offense that's already one of the top offenses in football. This is the benefit of being at the end of the draft and and being one of the best teams in the league and having a really well-established roster and developing this talent. So um, it, it gives you the ability to have that idea to go positionless football. And so, yeah, I think I'm excited about it. So to give you my thoughts on Shakira, this was, we just did our grades the other day. This was my only, well, I had two A pluses, but this was my favorite pick of the draft that I, I thought that they just absolutely nailed. I wanted to walk away with a wide receiver and all the mocks I did, I was way early on this. I was taking wide receivers in the second round, first or second round, wherever they're dropping to me in that idea of just continuing to give Josh Allen weapons, I thought I wanted to make that a priority, but him being there, I think is an even better value. And with receiver it's one of the only positions receiver and running back, in my opinion, that even these late guys uh, can come in right away and give you impact, give you production. Uh, A lot of these other positions, I kind of tease other mock guys in in the cover one when they're like, Oh, get this guy in the fifth. He's going to be a steal at cornerback and come in and play right away. And it's like, well, that's probably not the case, but a receiver, Absolutely. Right. You're going to get production in the special teams, production, in some of this gadget stuff. It was a pretty tough weekend for Isaiah McKenzie. And nobody, I feel like, is talking about that enough that guys like Cook, Shakir really make it hard 
the Bills can't really move on from McKenzie, but it makes it a hard discussion for these game day active roster spots with these guys that can do a little bit more in the offense, plus the roles that Isaiah had, because he's pretty limited to a one specific role. And you've got these other guys can do other stuff. It, to me, it makes it a really hard conversation to get him on the field here this year. I'm glad you sort of went there with the Isaiah McKenzie point. I, I don't know that I'm as – I don't know if I agree with you fully on what this potentially does for Isaiah McKenzie. And the only reason is, is I think he is still truly – he and James Cook in this light. But James Cook, I almost feel like you can use more traditionally – then you can McKenzie. McKenzie is going to be a guy you create six to eight plays a game for. Can you do this for might... Shakir though? Uh, I I don't think he's as quick twitch. No, I I I like. I think he's your he's your twitchiest athlete. Even with James Cook, I think he's still a little twitchier. Because I Cook. I think uh, McKenzie's speed to me is the classic just trait tracing chasing speed where it's just straight line like yeah, i don't yeah. see a lot of shiftiness from him where with shakir i don't see the straight line speed in the same way as mckenzie but i see him being able to shake guys and get him he's a better ball carrier to me it's the 10 yard for me the first 10 right. yards right, right where i think that's the biggest difference between those two shakir's gotcha. going to be the guy in those first 10 yards but I think McKenzie can be the guy to your point. Breakaway. Yeah. And, and, and this is sort of, I think in the same vein, if you were to think of how you might try to evolve Isaiah McKenzie, I would never, Oh, I tell you personally, I said, I would never do that. Oh God. Um, <laughs> no, what I guess what I'm trying to say is when you're thinking about this year and you're, and you're thinking about this wide receiver group in general, we don't have to just, you know, drill down here on Isaiah McKenzie, we could talk sure. about where do you think the biggest evolution happens? I think that they're, that the bills are probably in a position where I think the guy that's maybe set to evolve the most this year is Gabriel Davis, mm-hmm. because I think they're going to play him in the slot more. So back to position lists. It's tough though. So here's the only thing. Well, Shakir gives you the ability to do that, right? That's another yep. area. McKenzie doesn't give you the ability to That's do right. that. And I don't want to put Crowder on the outside. So the only other, no. if you're, if you're doing a little bit of Davis in the slot, then you're going to get some production out of the rookie. Um, I do think they'll move him around a little bit. I think he needs to really use this year to establish himself as that true top number two receiver right. and that he and Diggs are uh, one of the top duos in football because I think we've seen glimpses of it and that last playoff game left a good taste in our mouths and everyone's assuming that crazy type of production that he's been able to get in playoff games is going to continue out through a long stretch. I hope it does. He's going to get that chance this year. Um, so the biggest evolution, the biggest possibility for evolution is going to come from Gabe Davis. Like he, his ceiling, we have no idea where it is and we like the floor. Uh, and I think he's going to at least give us signs of where that ceiling is here this year. And that evolution on its own is going to change the wide receiver room going forward. Aaron. Thank you so much for being here, man. We really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you're following him on Twitter at AaronQuinn716. You can find him as a co-host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast. Aaron, why don't you tell everybody where and when they can make sure they listen to that and make sure that they're picking up all of your work. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you guys for inviting me again. I appreciate it. love coming on and having these chats with you. And yeah, you said it, Bruce. You can find me at AaronQuinn716. Cover One Network, just follow everything Cover One's doing. Just search Cover One on social media. Follow it all. We got great shows all around every single night of the week. 
uh, really just a cool team to work with. I'm super excited. Love all of them. Uh, and really excited for what we've got coming up for the rest of the year here for you guys. And then also shout out to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day weekend That's to all right. you guys. You guys are the dopest. Moms are the best. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Thanks, guys. Buddy. Peace. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is mom's day this weekend, ain't it? Yes. Leave it, it, leave it to sweetheart Aaron Quinn to be the one that brings it up. Yes. Yes. Absolutely, know, sweetheart. We know it certainly was going to be you. So oh, that's important. Not. No, yes. So that not. call to the Genesee hotline was brought to you by, you guessed it, the Genesee Brewing Company. Look for Pineapple Kolsch in stores and at bars mm-hmm. and restaurants today. Genesee beer brewed for generations. So Aaron Quinn, they're on the Genesee Brewery hotline. One question that we got from carl here in the comment section that says is shakir more likely to be our punt returner kick returner that was kind of a question mark last year i think so i think he's the leader in the clubhouse right now i think he's your punt returner i think stevenson's your kick returner i don't know if stevenson makes the team maybe not maybe not yeah every year year i want them to keep seven receivers and every year they don't do it they did towards the end of the season last year though if they keep six i think stevenson's on the outside looking in I think it might be the. We're doing this exercise right now. One and done. Oh, we are. So one. Oh, okay. Here we go. I got my. Stephon Diggs. One Diggs. Two. Gabriel Davis. Davis. James Crowder. Crowder. Isaiah McKenzie. Four McKenzie. Four Shakir. Khalil Shakir. Five McKenzie. Six. Kumaro. Special teams. Kumaro, you're right. Um, Which means yeah, seven. Hodgins is on the out. Stevenson yep. Stevenson doesn't play teams. He, mm-hmm. he he returns kicks, but he doesn't. That's it. He doesn't cover kicks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The only shot he's got is if he keeps seven and he has to beat out Andy Hodgins. Andy Balls, because right now Kumaro, Kumaro, and Neil are your two special teams aces. Yep. And you would hmm. not cut touchdown, Jesus. You couldn't. No. You, you shouldn't. Really. No, no, no. You so haven't. You have not. Absolute blasphemy. Nate, winners and losers from the draft. I need to know who the winners and losers were with the draft. Because the last time we losers? talked on this show, yes, we'll start with losers. The last time we talked on this show, the second round had just ended. And then we were doing winners and losers of the draft up to that point. Well, now we have winners and losers from the draft in its entirety. So let me ask you, who is your biggest loser from the draft? My biggest loser. I hate to be the guy that just beats a dead horse, but it's the Patriots. It's Bill Belichick. He continually shows that the game from a roster management perspective, from being a general manager, the general duties of what you expect your general manager to do, which is set your players up, set your franchise up with an opportunity to to grow, develop, 
and re-sign talent. Their entire 2019 draft class, Bruce, except for Damon Harris, I think seven of the picks are out of football. One of them just got traded, and Damon Harris, who they continually tried to replace by signing by drafting Ramondre Stevenson last year, re-signing James White this year, and drafting two running backs, including Pierre Strong. So for me, I, I know every, I, I know that the Cole Strange pick gets a lot of the um, notoriety. Um, I'll tell you this: I don't. I it wasn't a good pick value wise. He's going to be a starter for them, and I think he'll probably end up being good. But it, what it what the pick recognize, or for me, what it establishes is a true lack of understanding of draft value, and it's exactly why the Patriots are where they are. They are in a position they no longer have Tom Brady to cover up all of Bill Belichick's misfortunes, mistakes, uh, miscalculations that he's had during the draft and his draft process. So for me, it is the Patriots. It's Bill Belichick. They need to find someone to come in and run that roster. It can't be Belichick anymore. The thing is, Belichick has created a environment of yes people, yes men, right? He's got, he's got, the, the good graces of Robert Kraft, Robert Kraft is never going to fire Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's going to have to die or or leave. Um, and I don't think he's doing any of those things anytime soon. So for me, this is why, Bruce, the New England Patriots will finish in last place this year in the AFC East. Okay, I'm here for it. One of the things that's interesting to note about situations where the team is perceived to have reached is that it's it's fairly common knowledge inside the draft circles that the New England Patriots go into the draft with an incredibly small draft board. Like a lot of teams have 150, right? 140 draftable players on their board. They don't have 260 something players. The Patriots frequently go into the draft with less than a hundred draftable players, sometimes 75. Mm -hmm. And so what that leads to is it leads to, okay, we'll go to the next guard on a list. Right. And it's Cole Strange. That's the next guard on your list because that's the way it works. You have other scenarios where you have teams who have very rigid rules. I get a lot of pushback for my rigidity when it comes to some of my draft rules. But Lance Zerline from NFL.com was on the athletic football show and he opined. He goes, I don't think I don't think the Browns will draft anybody high who's not 21 or younger. Like, I think they have a hard cutoff where if you're 22 years old, I don't think they'll draft you. Yeah. And for them, it's a hard hard line on age. So you know what? People can bash me all you want about the rigidity by which I strict stick to these rules. But guess what? Teams do it too. They have rules for length. They have rules for height. They have rules for speed. They have rules for age. They have hard cutoffs for things like that based on probabilities. And a lot of analytics goes into that. So for me, the biggest loser of draft weekend was not a team. The biggest loser Ooh. of draft, we- draft weekend was Justin Fields. Justin Fields was the biggest loser on draft weekend. And I said it during the draft. The the, the Chicago Bears are drafting like they're going to try and go get their guy in 2023. Yeah. That's yeah, the way they're drafting. Right. I am not sitting here saying that the Bears don't believe in Justin Fields. That's not what I'm saying because I don't know what's going on in their head. Here's what I do know. They don't care enough That's right. about making sure they can isolate the variable with Justin Fields in year two. Brandon Bean spent his first full offseason as Bill's GM, investing every asset he could possibly find in the offensive line and skill positions 
to try to figure out if Josh Allen was the guy. Hmm. The Bears got Bayless Jones. That's what they went out and did. 25-year-old rookie receiver, yeah. And Byron Pringle from the Chiefs. There are Bears fans out there right now taking dose after dose of copium to try and convince themselves that Byron Pringle is the answer at receiver. And listen, Darnell Mooney, I think, is a good player. But if you come out of this year and he's and your number your one discussion, yes, and your discussion about the Bears is, well, we really don't know if Justin Fields, well, then it's your fault. Yeah, that's right. If you really don't know if if Justin Fields is the guy coming out of year two, and you're like, I don't know, do we, it's do we it's almost do why not? it's your fault, Bruce. This is a perfect segue into my winner, which is the New York Jets, because they did the opposite of the Chicago Bears. Yep, right. Like they decided this year we're gonna and and frankly, this is a franchise that has been stuck in mud for years and decades, and has never really been able to find sustained success. And how they're building right now is building towards a sustainable model for success. And what what do you do, Bruce? You surround a quarterback when they, I believe they still have, they have two first round picks again next year. Mm. So what this means, Bruce, is not only are you giving your young quarterback every opportunity to succeed, to take the step that you need to see him take to continue that build process around him, or you cut bait and you take an opportunity to get up as far as you can to get one of the two or three guys in next year's draft. So what the what the New York Jets are doing is playing with house money. They're taking an organization that for a very long time has not been able to draft or bring free agency uh, free agents in. I like Lincoln Tomlinson a lot. I think he really solidifies the interior of that offensive line with Tomlinson and Vera Tucker. Those are two really solid young interior offensive linemen that should help them. I think should help Makai Becton. The only question you have to say is, is the offensive line going to hold up? They just got rid of Van Rotten, which is an interesting move um, from them. Their starting center from last year. Um, overall, Bruce, I just think in, in the opposite of what Chicago's doing, which is basically saying we're kind of punting on evaluating this quarterback because, A, we don't think we can evaluate him, or, B, he's just not our cup of tea. But you're not even giving him a chance to succeed, where at least the New York Jets are saying – Maybe we didn't make pick the right guy, but we're going to do everything we can to surround him with a team this year. And if, and I said, I, I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago. What what kind of step would it take for Zach Wilson to uh, to to have the Jets win eight games? Right, be eight and nine, a five, essentially a five hundred team, twenty touchdowns, thirty two hundred yards, nine interceptions. Would that do it for you? And I saw a lot of people say, well, that's not good enough. He would need to throw. It's exactly those are exactly Josh Allen's year two numbers. And yeah. does those do do Josh Allen's year two numbers keep a year three available for Zach Wilson? I, I, I so. would think so. I would think so. But I think you do want more than than Josh Allen's second season if you are a Jets fan with the level of talent that they've surrounded him with. My biggest winner from the 2022 NFL draft is what feels like my biggest winner from every draft, and it's the freaking Baltimore Ravens. Okay, listen. The Baltimore Ravens just do this every year, and every year I just roll my eyes and go, oh, of course. Of course they got Travis Jones at pick 76. Of course they got David Ojabo. And I just want to go out of my way and say that this, this is what organizational stability does mm. for you. I couldn't because disagree more. You can take, oh, well, we're going to have a discussion. You can take David Ojabo, who just tore his Achilles in round two, 
who is probably a top 12 player in this draft when healthy. You know why you can do it? Because you have organizational stability. That's why you can do it. You can have a scenario where you take Daniel Falele in mm-hmm. round four and go, yeah, we'll develop him as a right tackle. Travis Jones, who I think is a top 50 player in this draft at pick 76, arguably the best punter in the draft was not punt God. It was Jordan Stout from Penn mm-hmm. Station from Penn State. Charlie Kohler, Isaiah Likely, Tyler Batty from Miss, mm-hmm. from Missouri in the like sixth that round. Like that Jalen Armour Davis from Alabama, who I think has all the tools to be a starting corner in this league. I go up and down and up and down this list, and I go, it's just good player after good player mm-hmm. after good player. And I think that after last year, where they tried to go a little bit more wide receiver heavy, and they weren't happy with the results. They, you could see them potentially go back to 1920 versions of the Baltimore Ravens offense where they roll out, as you mentioned earlier, 13 personnel and focus on the middle of the field and just feed things through Mark Andrews, Charlie Kohler, Isaiah Likely, and Rashad Bateman, who's on my dynasty team. So that works out really well. But when you look at just the collection of talent and the reinforcement of talent that Baltimore is able to do, they're my winner. But you, you don't think so. You think they're a loser. What's up? Baltimore is building a team like they're going to have a new quarterback soon. Because Lamar Jackson doesn't want to be used the way that he's being used. It is going to, what's going to end up happening here, Bruce? It may not be this year and Lamar may end up playing this year out and may be fine. We are spiraling towards a Debo Samuel scenario. And to me, it's because of the gross, absolutely gross miscalculation that the Baltimore Ravens have made. And part of this is it might be planned. It may not be a miscalculation at all, Bruce, because Lamar Jackson is representing himself. He does not he doesn't have an agent. He's not going to be negotiating in the middle of the season. He's probably not negotiating right now. And it. Basically, the Ravens have said every time we try to call Lamar about a contract extension, it's he's not interested in having the conversation. And if I were Lamar, I wouldn't either. Because instead of keeping Marquise Brown, now listen, is Marquise Brown a number one wide receiver? No. No. Is he going to get paid like a number one wide receiver? Christian Kirk got paid a lot of money. He's probably going to get paid a lot of money. So maybe they got out from having to overpay for Marquise Brown. That's your quarterback's best friend. And he's the one guy that is completing a very, 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 very poor group of offensive weapons outside of the tight end position, which most are unproved behind uh, Andrews, by the way, as well. So for me, Bruce, instead of moving on from Greg Roman, which they should have done two seasons ago, they continue doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on his style of play. The style of play that forced the hand of the Ravens to trade their former number one overall, their former first round pick in Marquise Brown, because he was sick of playing in an offense that couldn't utilize the wide receiver position. Lamar Jackson can throw the football. He has proven he can throw the football, and yet they continue running an offense that is built for the ACC. And I think it's unfair to the quarterback. I think it's unfair to the fan base. And good for you that you guys crushed that draft and you built lots of depth without your lineup. And you build lots of depth on the defensive side of the ball, and you refresh that that defensive secondary. You got some help on that defensive line. You got some help on the offensive line, which needed it, by the way. 
But you, you, you missed the most important part of the draft, which was surrounding Lamar Jackson with enough weapons to actually, if you're the Ravens, know whether or not he can be an elite level passer. So now you punted on the idea of being able to do that. Unless you're going to bring in Antonio Brown, that's going to be your move, right? Or is it Julio Jones at the end of his career? Did I see I think it's Will Jarvis Fuller. Landry? Okay, Will Fuller. Maybe he'll give you five games this year. Jarvis Landry is, is, is being tied to them? You know, to me, I think it's not prioritizing how you win today, which is by surrounding a quarterback and having a quarterback. And they have one, one of the more unique talents in the league. And instead of building an offense that allows it to evolve and develop and develop him, you're talking about all this great development. All that. They haven't developed their quarterback at all. He's such a great one. And they've, they've really failed to develop. They failed to support Lamar Jackson. And if I were Lamar Jackson, I would be looking for the first ticket out of uh, out of Baltimore. And I think he will. I, I don't believe. And, and if you're the Ravens, you probably don't want to re-sign him right now. Do you want to know why? You haven't done enough to actually get the feeling of whether or not that's a $50 million quarterback. He is, but in the right offense. And I don't think they are... I like Greg Roman. He is not an NFL offensive coordinator any longer. His gig gets figured out three, four, five weeks into a season. And for them, it's not conducive to winning playoff games. And I'm not pinning their inability to win playoff games on the quarterback. I'm going to pin it on their inability to evolve as an offense. They have been the same type of offense, the same type of conservative downhill. You get behind and there's no chance they're coming back. They've been that team the entirety of Lamar Jackson's career. And for me, that is such a failure, an institutional failure to prop up, develop, and evolve your franchise quarterback to the point you're going to push him away. That's, I mean, I, I just can't get to enjoying or get to co commenting or, or congratulating them on all these picks that they got because they totally botched the, the quarterback situation. So I don't know. I just, I'm on the total polar opposite end. I don't care how many prospects that are great value picks. And guess what, Bruce? This is the thing that, that sort of bugs me about the draft. All these draft analysts, oh, this guy was number 30 on my big board, and he, they got or 30 on my big board, and they got him at pick 75. Who cares? Sorry, you know, whatever from Bleacher Report. Who cares about your consensus big board? It is probably nothing like the consensus big board of 32 other teams. So it does, like, them getting all these great draft grades, they picked a bunch of guys. If they didn't get good draft grades, I would be a little worried. I mean, if you have 15 picks or whatever they had, and you don't get good draft grades, you suck. So, yeah, I mean, good for them for doing their thing and getting a bunch of players, but shame on them for wasting an opportunity to build around one of the most unique talents at the position that has maybe ever played the game. I think they are building around Lamar Jackson. They're just not building around him by drafting wide receivers high, and even though they drafted Rashad Bateman. But it doesn't have to be about drafting wide receivers. They should have gone and got Devontae Adams. They should have gone and traded for – there are so many options for them. They don't have to just go tra draft one, Bruce. They could draft one in the second. They could have got Khalil Shakir. They could have done anything. They drafted Rashad had... Bateman last year. They drafted – And then they and then they traded away their other guy this year and didn't replace him at all. They have done nothing. Name outside of Devin Duvernay, who if you think is going to be a number two receiver in the NFL, uh, that's what they're working with right now. I'm sorry. 
Willie Sneed, if he's still in the league, maybe he'll save them from themselves. I just, so many opportunities to pick a receiver in this draft. Didn't have to be in the first round. But you also didn't have to trade Hollywood Brown this year. You didn't have to do that. And especially if you believe you're in a window, which they should believe probably. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I think, I think the Ravens are going to compete for, for a deep playoff run this year. If Lamar Jackson... I don't stay think healthy. they're going to compete. I, I don't healthy. think they're. I don't think they're. The Ravens were one of the most beat up position. teams in football last year. They could finish last in their division. I take that bet. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying they could. I think I they're far think, more likely to finish third than first. I think the Steelers are going to finish last. That's fine, but I think the Ravens probably finish third. I don't think they're in for a deep playoff run. I'm not. I think really. they'll beat the Browns. If Watson plays a whole season, I don't. Maybe they maybe they beat him when the other guy's in, whoever's playing. But I, I'm just – Wow. There's something about this Ravens team that just has been bugging me because it feels like they were they seemed, they came off so smart picking Lamar Jackson and the him winning an MVP in his first full season. And since then, Bruce, they have done nothing. We're talking about the New York Jets surrounding their young quarterback with three really good playmakers, three deep at tight end. Yes, great. The Ravens have great tight ends. But everybody knows how to stop them with tight ends. That's how, that's why they keep stopping themselves. They keep drafting tight ends and playing over the middle of the field, and they can't play on the sidelines. And they still can't. So everyone's just going to continue defending them the same way because they're easy to defend. Or Lamar they, has those nothing. limitations, and they're building around Lamar. They're building to deal with Lamar's so How do we know? They've, they've never tried. They had they you just said they had Marquise Brown last year. But they, they had didn't use perimeter them. receivers and it yeah, still never, wasn't Lamar throwing it outside the, the numbers. Scheme. It's the scheme, Bruce. So Lamar's we, actually a really good perimeter passer, but Greg Roman's holding him back. I have no idea. <laughs> Wouldn't know. I he's shown he can he can Lamar Jackson can be a prime thrower. He could be an elite thrower of the football. He was leading the league in passing yards last year. And then they traded his number one receiver and kept the guy who they can't evolve the offense with. I don't know. I'm just. That was a good. You, you have a really high opinion of Marquise Brown. And that I, I don't think it's. No, 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 no. This is nothing to do with me thinking that they shouldn't have traded Marquise Brown. Trade Marquise Brown. But find somebody to replace him. Have a have a plan. And their plan is, well, we'll just we'll just draft a bunch of other guys. Dude, they have nothing at wide receiver, nothing. And Bateman was a huge disappointment last year. There's what? no guarantee he evolves. Oh, Bateman's he was a huge disappointment last year. He was hurt for the first half of the season. And, and he wasn't good when he was in. Oh, he wasn't good when he was no. in. Nate, Look Nathaniel wasn't, wasn't good, good when he was in. Oh, man. Oh, man. We, we can't. We can't. We can't do this now. We can't have these yes, conversations. Yes, I watched a lot he of Rashad one Bateman. touchdown. Oh, okay. Well, he there we go. The, Jerry Judy time. had zero he touchdowns. Does he stink too? He wasn't even starting. Yeah, he played in you know 12 what? games and started four, Bruce. He was their first round pick. He had three yards. What, what is this one? Rashad Reception. Bateman is going to be a good player this year. 67% catch percentage. Yeah. 7.6 yards a target. Yep. At one touchdown and his long was 29 yards. I don't know which guy you were watching. I was not watching somebody that impressed me. 
All right, we're gonna we're gonna circle back to we're gonna circle back to uh, Rashad Bateman at the end of this year, and we're gonna see. Uh, you know what? So next week we have to talk about the Titans. They're losers. Well, the no, Titans I was gonna, I was gonna I was gonna get to that. They were my other ones, but now we can't. So next week we'll talk about the Titans. Now Titans, right. I will I will actually agree with you on the Titans being losers because they traded away AJ Brown and then replaced him with Traylon Burks, who's not AJ Brown. Not AJ Brown. Definitely not AJ Brown. But at least so. they attempted to replace him. For the love of God. Oh well, the the attempt is all that matters, I guess. I mean, taking, well, it's taking it a good you, player doesn't and really they didn't matter. Even have to. They have Robert Woods. They've got an established player at the position. Yeah, coming off a torn ACL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Well, you know what? You knew it was going to be contentious. You knew it was going to be because it started off this discussion about Nate trying to screw me out of a draft pick, and it ends the discussion it, with how Nate and I completely disagreeing on Rashad Bateman and the Baltimore Ravens. For those of you who enjoy, I, you know, I that, hope you enjoyed this. Having, this was fun. This was a that, good. Are you willing? Are you willing to trade Rashad Bateman? No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, there it is. No, no, I specifically targeted Rashad Bateman because I watched him play last year. I was like, hey, this is a good player, and I need to find a way to try and get him. And then it came up with Greg, and the opportunity was for me. I traded down in the first round and picked up picked up, uh, picked up, up uh, Rashad Bateman, and I'm very, very excited about that because Bateman's, Bateman's coming this year, man. He's coming. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about him and the Ravens offense. I hope – that you're excited to watch Nate and I yell at each other. I hope that you had a good time tonight. And more importantly than any of this, I hope you didn't leave hungry.